Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Dara Brustein. Equal parts teacher, connector, and founder, Dara stands for entrepreneurial empowerment. In the fall of 2018, she launched Life by Design, Not by Default, sharing stories with visionaries like Deepak Chopra, Adam Grant, and Jen Sincero in a 45-speaker online summit reaching 7,000-plus people. For the past 10 years, she founded and scaled two businesses in tandem, a network Networking events company serving 30,000 plus people and a payment processing company spanning 38 states. A prolific writer, Dara's thought leadership articles on lifestyle design have been read by over 1 million people across Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Thrive Global. Her motivating motto, build a life of your own design, a career to fund it, and a network to support it has inspired thousands to reach higher and dream bigger. Most recently, Dara launched the video series, Diving Deep with Deepak and Dara, to make deep topics relatable and translatable into your life. So what's the benefit of a string of business betrayals? You'll find out during my conversation with Dara Brustein. What happened, what she learned as a result, and what it led to will make you realize that if we learn something from the negative experiences that come our way, they always lead to greater growth and understanding. It's also those situations that encourage us to stop and reevaluate our thoughts, behaviors, and beliefs, because they may be subtly sabotaging our best efforts. If you're wondering why bad luck seems to be following you, tune in because you're going to learn it's not bad luck, but more about profound lessons you're here to learn. Here's Dara. Okay, everybody. So today's going to be an interesting conversation. We're always talking about some type of betrayal, whether it's a family member, partner, friend, self. Uh, But what we're going to be talking about today is many betrayals all tied to business. And we have Dara Brewstein here, who's going to be sharing her experiences and what she's done with it. So welcome, Dara. Thanks, Debbie. So let's just get started. I mean, you you didn't just have one betrayal when it comes to business. You you had a few. So can you just um, share with us what what happened? Yeah, give you the laundry list of layoffs, (laughs) embezzlements, Uh, my mom betraying me and telling me to quit my own business, having Mm. my own inner critics lying to me and betraying me and having lawsuits against vendors. So that's like the quick and dirty. Mm. (laughs) I'd say the first one is probably the one that really helped push me onto the path that I'm on now. And so it's actually a betrayal for which I'm really grateful for, which is that when I graduated from college, I, you know, as an aside, studied religion and Italian, which made absolutely no sense as far as pursuing a career in the real world. So... Mm. I graduated and did what I thought I was best to do, which was to pursue the thing I was passionate about, which was working in the fashion industry. And after they handed me a three-year goal to book a million dollars in business, I achieved it in 10 months. And shortly after, I was in a really tumultuous time in my own life where I was 23 and had to get a restraining order against my landlord and decided I didn't want to have any more landlords. So I was going to buy a house, which at that age, I wasn't anticipating doing. Okay. So I'm going to have to stop you here. A restraining order against your landlord. That's not what happens in a typical day. What was that about? I was a young woman living with a friend from college and we had a string of emails, phone calls, and otherwise aggressively threatening us from the husband counterpart of the duo who owned the house that we were living in. And it got to the point where he was threatening our well-being. He was threatening us physically. He was threatening us in a lot of different ways. And we had it documented. And my uncle happens to be a lawyer. And so he reached out to him and 
began to try and negotiate something just to get him to back off. Because as you can imagine, it's a bit terrifying when you're anyone, let alone a young, at the time, 22-year-old woman with a man having keys to your house and threatening to hurt you. And this all sparked simply from a place of they wanted to sell the house and they wanted to do it well before our lease agreed for them to do that. And all we did was say, we'd be happy to make a concession and give you 45 days, whereas the lease offers you 30. And we thought that was friendly, but we said, listen, I work from home. I know what it takes and how much it can upset my rhythms and my environment. And that's just not what we agreed to. So this is what we'd be willing to offer, even though we don't have to compromise at all, given that we have a legal contract signed. And that really set him off. We came to later learn that he was bipolar and that it really had nothing to do with what made sense in a practical mm-hmm. standpoint. But when he cursed out my uncle, who was trying to be quite you know, balanced with him, mm-hmm. that came to make us realize that we couldn't keep having guy friends sleeping on a couch in front of our door to protect us at night. And mm-hmm. we needed to do something more. So we filed and moved. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was a scary situation. And I'm sure that left some residual uh, mental and emotional challenges in its wake. And then so now here you are, you're mo- you move and tell us what happened next. Yeah. So three months after I bought my house, which unfortunately, speaking of betrayals, the market sort of betrayed me. <laughs> I bought in September of 2007 mm. and talk about a peak of a peak of a peak. And three months later, right before Christmas, the company I was working for in fashion went under and everyone lost their jobs. So regardless of how much blood, sweat, tears and performance I had put in, no one had a job anymore. And this is when life sort of slapped me in the face and made me realize like, this is adulthood. These are things that you're going to have to face and you're going to have to pick yourself up by your bootstraps and keep it moving. So fast forward, I ended up taking a number of jobs, part-time, full-time, and a number of different industries, everything from being someone's personal assistant and helping her with her home renovations and writing copy for her website to working for a high home and high end home automation systems company selling multiple hundred thousand dollar home theaters and such and basically everything in between like working retail and otherwise. And again, this was now 2008 to 2009 mm-hmm. when the economy had completely tanked and collapsed and I was continually either being let go because of layoffs or cut back on hours just because people weren't doing well. And And you still had the house at this time? Oh yeah. I mean, for me, I felt like foreclosing was not an option and I was Mm -hmm. doing everything in my power to keep the house. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and what did you make of that? Where, when here you, you, so often people go into, they're working within a company because they, they, they're afraid of the idea of starting their own business because they feel like it's safer. And then here you're let go. Well, interestingly, it was such an awakening moment for me where I realized that the narratives that I had been taught and almost spoon-fed my whole life of, you know, kind of the American dream of go to school, get good grades, get a job, get the house, Mm -hmm. and so on, happily ever after, was not working for me any way, shape, or form. And that I, when I reflected back to being a kid, I remember that the thing I always gravitated towards was starting businesses. I started a jewelry business on our front porch and a number of other things. And it occurred to me that what people had been telling me of you're an entitled millennial who's too impatient to wait her turn Mm. was BS. And that actually there was no more or less stability in working for myself than there was in putting my future in someone else's hands. So, so what'd you do with that then? Because now here you have this, these, these businesses that you created as a child and this, I imagine confusion because you're, you're doing what you've been 
told is the so and you know so it's a right right way to do things and it's just not working out. So that's confusing. What'd you make of it? What would you do? Well, at that point, I didn't feel like I had anything to lose anymore. So I was very fortunate to have one of my brothers who happens to be my twin reach out to me and say, hey, I have an idea for a company. Do you want to build this with me? And it was in credit card processing. And my initial reaction was absolutely not. That couldn't sound less fun or less (laughs) sexy. I'm coming from this sexy world of fashion. But when I took a breather, I realized, why don't I want to do this? This is something that on a day-to-day basis, I'm really good at the tactics and in the skills that it takes to be successful and that I'm really excited about the outcomes, which are working with small business owners to really help improve their bottom line and give them a fair shot in a really shady industry. So I Mm. thought instead of doing what I did the first time and picking the thing I already knew I was passionate about and trying to make that an enjoyable and fulfilling career, which didn't work, let me try to reverse engineer this and find things that I'm excited about doing and help me feel energized and motivated on a day-to-day basis and then become excited about the product or service as a result. You know, and and I'm also wondering if on some subconscious level, you felt so burned by the people that you that you trusted who gave you these these other jobs. And I'm wondering if you felt at that point that this is something this is someone I can trust. This is my brother. And and there's some level of safety here. Yeah, that was very conscious, actually. It was, Mm. I always have said to him from 10 years ago till now, if you can share a womb, you can share a business. Mm. There is such a deep trust and knowing of one another. And ironically, he and I are not close socially, but there is no one on this planet that I have lived side by side and understood more deeply than him because of that sharing of life together. And so even though there were things that we had to figure out and it doesn't make it all easy and seamless... At the end of the day, you can't generate that. The trust is something that when it's intrinsic and inherent like that, it can't be bought. It can't be matched elsewhere. And it's something that is so, it's so priceless. And this is one of the biggest issues with betrayal. It can take years, decades to build and it's shattered in a moment. And the only it can be rebuilt is is. Through, over time, it takes time. It takes daily consistent actions. If it's rebuilding trust with that same person, consistency with them. But I, but at some, you know, at some point, I'm, I'm sure you said, you know what? I, I need the, the idea of something safe, someone I can trust, is very welcomed. So you go into business with your brother, and how did that work out? Well, we're ten years in, and the Cliff's Notes version is we are in 38 U.S. states. We've done really well. However, along the way, we had major ups and downs. You know, we're entering a business in 2009. We started in February 2019 or 2009, which is 10 years ago. But mm-hmm. at the time, we're deep in the recession. So it seemed a little strange to go into business then. However, I learned a lot about choosing recession proof businesses like one in electronic payments because every business, no matter how they're doing, needs to get paid. Mm-hmm. So that was an interesting lesson. But going into it, I felt like, okay, I have a stable of relationships from the wholesale fashion work that I did who own retail stores. That's where I'm going to begin. So that's where I began to grow the book of business. But what I came to learn was just how many people had been burned by other people in credit card processing and how many trials and tribulations there would be to get to a place of stability financially in the business. Mm -hmm. And at year two, we were in a place where we finally felt like we had gone over that hurdle and we were in a place of financial stability and we could finally breathe. Only to find out three months after we signed on this one client who helped us get there, he was by far our whale. He was about 80% of our revenue, Mm -hmm. which was nuts that he canceled his contract and actually questioned my integrity through the process, which was painful. But now I am pleased to say that after eight years of 
time between that and now he actually circled back to me just a couple months ago and apologized and said that he realized he was wrong. And at the time it was tough because when you finally feel like you have some sea legs Mm -hmm. and then it goes away and on top of it, someone hits you below the belt like that, it was really crushing. And so, you know, I alluded to my mom telling me that I should quit. And this was when that happened, that I'm not one to generally over emotionalize things, but I was literally in a pile of my own tears on my bathroom floor, a wreck, feeling Mm -hmm. like at the time my entire identity was tied to the success of this company. And here's this person not only cutting us out under the knees and bringing us back to 20% of our revenue, but also telling me that I was someone who lacked integrity, which... And that's a hard hit, just someone questioning your integrity when that's the way... I mean, you're you're living from a place of integrity, acting from a place of integrity, and having someone question that is, it's it's typically you know their issue, but they're they're putting that on you. Totally. Yeah, I'm a big believer in one's reputation and and the power of relationships. And so when I know that someone feels that way, there was a lot of fear and anxiety of well, who else is he going to say this to? Because no matter what my actions say to speak truth to the opposite of what he's saying, he believes it and he feels it enough to have said it to my face. And you know, it took eight years for him to come around on that. So I had a lot of fear around that. But in that moment, I called my mom and I just said, I don't know what to do. I feel really overwhelmed. I don't know if I have what it takes to keep going. And in that moment, she said, I think you should quit, which truly mm. was the last thing I wanted to hear. And I felt really betrayed by her because in that moment, I really needed her to say the thing that would push me to keep going and find and muster that little bit of energy that I had left in me. Interestingly though, like everything, that her reaction and her response was the thing that catalyzed me to find it in myself. Mm. And and it's so true. It, people share things through their lens. And I'm sure on some level, I'm sure it was meant to protect you. Um, but in doing that, it, it gave you, I guess, the incentive yes. to do the work to, to, to figure it out. So it actually was a gift that she did that and that she said that. Absolutely. So, and you're totally right that everyone's projecting their experiences and their perspective. And she wanted me to be safe and secure. And in her way, that was the outcome. Mm-hmm. And so now you have all this fear because you just lost the majority of your business from this one from this one client. You're trying to maintain a belief in yourself to keep this going. You're feeling betrayed by just about everybody, it sounds like, but your brother. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened next? We kept going. I mean, I really just thought, okay, what have I been doing that's been working? How did I even get this client? And I just kept going down that path. I kept building relationships and referral partnerships and getting one client at a time focusing on the day-to-day action and how I could keep moving towards the goal to get us back and beyond where we were before this client left us. And also I learned the lesson of don't have a whale of a client. And so I kept moving and it truly was day-to-day action. And for a long time, that was going really well until again, I gave us a little peek into the future. We had two different embezzlements come around years four and year five. And they were really surprising in the sense of we didn't have a large team infrastructurally, but they were embezzlements from our partners. We are structured as a brokerage and it was our partners who stole our entire book of business and used the legality around it to know that they were Goliath and we were David and that Mm -hmm. there was almost no chance that we would be able to fight them and get it back. So what'd you do with that? Because, you know, and it's interesting, there are different betrayals hit us in different ways. And and I, re- I remember even it, when I was doing my study, it was uh, originally supposed to be the betrayal of a family member, partner, or friend, or coworker, some, someone like that. And I couldn't find anybody um, where... It seemed it seemed like it's the family members and the partners who 
break us. Of course, we're never broken, bent. You know, who, who really break us where it's the the friends or the coworkers or the people we, we work with or something, they infuriate us, <laughs> right? It, there's a difference. And so I'm sensing this, this rage, this anger, and, and it just the injustice of it. What'd you do with that? Well, interestingly, this is where my brother and our partnership really came into play and came into being an important, delicate balance of how we work well together. And in those moments, I did feel all the things you felt. I felt like how in any right world could this be an outcome that's acceptable? And how am I supposed to go and talk to all these clients that now I don't have any actual control or help for them and they and nor do I have any financial restitution from mm-hmm. these relationships. And for me, again, it all came back down to the reputation as well as, you know, we'd been building and building and doing it the right way with integrity and someone ripped that out from under us. But it was my brother who came to me and basically said, why are you freaking out about it? What's the next step? And he just mm-hmm. looked at it from how do we keep moving? What, what do we do rather than sit in the muck in the mire of it where I was letting the emotions take over me? And he didn't let that overtake him for one second. And so he really helped me refocus and quickly continue to move on. And you could you could see where that's a great that really is a great partnership because if you do get stuck in the emotions, they can they can absolutely pull you down. I mean, you want to make sense and you want to make meaning out of your experience, but sometimes when we stay there for too long, I, I say we marinate in it instead of ruminate where we make the sense and meaning. We're marinating where we're feeling no better for having spent all that time there. And um, you know what I'm what I'm sensing too is, and I see this when it comes to transformation and when it comes to um, really moving through obstacles, it's a willingness a willingness just to keep going because it's so easy just to say, you know what, this is just too hard. Yeah. You know. Well, there's a delicate choice there between quitting properly and keeping on your path. And I think we certainly could have quit at time two or time three. And I'm certainly grateful now with the success that we've had that we didn't. But I also think that knowing when to quit is important. Like for example, I wrote a kid's book series on financial literacy education. And after spending close to two years working every angle that I thought were the right avenues to take it, I realized I just never picked up the momentum that I really believed that it should or could. And it wasn't at that point in time worth the investment of my energy. And so while I didn't fully quit, I put it on a back burner to simmer. And I think choosing intelligibly at those times if you quit or pivot or iterate, those are really important parts of the process too. And how do you... um how do you either justify it or, or make it okay in your mind that something could be on the back burner where someone else may look at it and say, but that means I'm quitting. What did you, what did you do to, to make sense of that where you said, where you knew, I mean, obviously it wasn't that you were quitting, but it just wasn't the right time. Was there a process or was there, so what did you say to yourself? Well, there's several things there. One is that I'm a deep believer that where the current is taking you and where momentum exists organically is the cue that you're on the right path. And when it's not and you're white knuckling it and you're swimming upstream is when you're not. And I just had to get real with myself and whether it's through my meditations or just like paying attention to the obvious data in front of me and just paying attention to my body and that I felt stressed about it. And in this one endeavor, whereas I had my credit card processing company and at that point I was several years into another business I had started that created networking events for young professionals. And both of those were growing and they were growing without the same stress and anxiety. And so I just had to come to terms with the fact that I don't have to kill this, but it's something that I don't need to put my energy and attention into now because these other things are working. The other thing that I had to come to terms with was the judgment from other people. 
I talked to someone about this yesterday, actually. And the way that I used to see it was that I was so afraid that if I stopped doing something or if I quit or if I moved on to something else or added something or if anything was perceived in a way that looked like I had failed, that other people would judge me and that that would be irreparable. Mm -hmm. However, the thing that I came to realize was one, that that was incredibly narcissistic and that most people are not paying attention. Everyone's pretty focused on what they have going on and that the people who are paying attention, 99% of them are there paying attention because they want what's best for you and they want you to succeed. And they're not going to judge and criticize for your iterations and points of change. Whereas, yeah, we've all maybe got the 1% trolls, but but their problems have nothing to do with us. And they're going to be trolls to you or someone else, no matter what. So I came to realize that. I also came to come to terms with the fact that success typically is right around the corner from what is perceived as failure. But if you stop when you fail, you'll never get there. So I felt like if I just keep moving, even if it's not on this path, that this was just one of the curves on my roadmap to get me wherever I need to go next. I, I love that. And there's that book, is it Three Feet from Gold? I think. Oh, I don't know. I don't know that book. There is. It's called Three Feet from Gold. And it's it speaks to just that. So I, I really recommend that to everybody. And it's so true. You know, I, I love what you're saying. I even, I, I have this reputation in my family and this is so bizarre, but it, it, you'll, you'll get a kick out of it. When we've been driving for a period of time and I feel like the exit should have come, I'll just get off the next exit. (laughs) And of course, that's the most ridiculous thing. And then when, you know, if I just stayed on the road a little bit longer, it was the next exit. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I just had the patience. So the the motto in my house is don't get off the exit too soon. You know, (laughs) and it's just, so you need a little bit of patience. That's one thing. And, and also, and I, and I'm thinking back as you're speaking, I'm thinking about just all the things that I've done in the past where I had a mentor once who said to me, you know, Deb, you don't just run in the wrong direction. You run enthusiastically (laughs) in the wrong direction. And sometimes, and it sounds like that's what you did. Sometimes it's just so important to stop and take a look and say, you know what, when things are working and when they're meant to work, there's flow, there's ease. There are people supporting you. It's the, the right people just seem to find you. And when it's nothing but resistance. Sure, we can look at it and say, okay, it's just a test to see how committed I am to this project. But then again, it could also be, you know what, maybe you need a little pivot here, or maybe it's just not the right time. And it sounds like that's that's the conclusion you got to. Exactly. And the thing I've learned about the resistance is the more that you allow resistance to grow by continuing to push into it or continuing to build up your own resistance to resistance or uncertainty, the more that that builds, but the more that you become comfortable with uncertainty, the more you lean into the stuff that is happening more effortlessly, the more that that unfolds more naturally. And is there a way that you do that? How do you, because for someone who is so used to pushing the grind, just keeping at it, what would you say to them when they're like, I just, all I know is, is pushing and and trying to manipulate and control and move forward. What would you say to that person? It sounds so counterintuitive, right? Like we are really ingrained with this idea that you have to hustle and grind and burn out. And she who works the longest hours wins and we wear busyness as a badge of honor. And these are all the things I learned the hard way by burning myself out in my first business. But when I came to realize that like, for example, when I started Network Under 40, I didn't even start it to be a business. I started it because a friend from college moved back to Atlanta and said, where do I go to make friends after college without getting hit on, sold to, or everyone being my parents' age? (laughs) And I thought my favorite thing in the world is to connect people. Let me just start it for you. 
and through a first event with 94 people and electric energy and everyone said, do it again. And then they said, do it again and again and again to the point where I had this monthly profitable event. I was making six figures as a side hustle on it. I had people coming to me asking to sponsor. I had Inc. Magazine writing about us and getting national attention. And I wasn't even trying to grow this as a business. And it's because I was completely in my zone and I was completely in the right place, listening to what people needed and offering what I had as resources and gifts in exchange. And because all those things clicked and connected, it worked. And then I had to pay attention and just keep pouring into it. It's when I did stuff like with the book that I was like, my goal is this, but the world and circumstances were telling me, hey, it's not right now. Maybe it's not ever, but it's certainly not right now. I had to listen. Otherwise, I continue to bang my head against a wall. So you really have to quiet down enough and tune in enough to understand, are you just committing to something and doing everything it takes because you feel like that's what you have to do? Or are you willing to see that there might need to be some pivot or iteration? And you know, it is so counterintuitive because it if we've been um, conditioned to believe that it's it's got to be hard, and if it's easy, there's some there's something wrong with it, or it's it's just not supposed to be that way. How do you how do you take on that belief? What do you tell that person who's who's listening to this saying, "Well, you know what that that sounds really nice, but I don't know if it's too easy. There's there's something wrong with that. It yeah. should yeah." I mean, there's probably something in your life where there's evidence of that, right? Like my relationship is like that, where I had a string of really shitty boyfriends for a really long time who were emotionally abusive cheaters. And that obviously had a lot to do with me and my own mindsets and my own thoughts of being worthy of only that and nothing more. So I had to do that work. However, when I met my current partner, everything was so easy to the point where I was like, when's the other shoe going to drop? Something Mm -hmm. is off. No one can possibly be this great. This can't work like this. Until I realized, no, that's actually how life can be. And we're the ones getting in the way of that. So look for the evidence in your past to find even a tiny example of when things clicked and worked and how that felt. And let that even be a tiny example for you of how you can build more of that. And you know, here's another example of doing the work and, and the results just happen and and I know it sounds so crazy how your your thoughts change your beliefs change your reality but but you're I mean here you are saying just that it's just another example of when you have these and you, you may not have even been aware of them these subconscious beliefs that are creating what kept showing up for you and you do the work which a lot of people aren't willing aren't aware of they just don't want to do and they keep wondering why they keep getting the same thing Totally. Yeah. I mean, I have an example of this too, that as my career continued to evolve and I would get to a point in each of the companies, like with equitable payments, the credit card business, I got to a point where it was pretty self-operational. I didn't need to put a lot of time into it, nor did I feel like I was being in a challenging or growth up, a growth-oriented space, which is one of my highest values. So it's important for me to clue in on that too and make sure that that's aligned. That then Network Under 40 began to grow and subsequently Network Over 40 And then I hit a point about two years ago where I had this intuitive hit that said, there's a new incarnation of your career on the horizon. You have to figure it out. And I think I probably like most people didn't want to pay attention to it at first because I felt like, oh, I'm finally enjoying the fruits of my labor after I worked so hard and getting to do all the things that I have envisioned for my life, like travel 60% of the time and interact with incredible humans and write for outlets I only once read and work with celebrities and like do all this stuff that were only once dreams. And I was ignoring it until the intuition just got so strong that I was like, I can't ignore this anymore. 
And I leaned into it and did a lot of different work and exercises over a six-month period until I came out on the other side realizing that the number one thing that people came to me for and thus what I needed to dedicate this next phase of my life and career to was the question, how do you live the life that you do? And when I dug in, a lot of what I just shared is what they were asking. Like, how do you do that? How do you have this kind of freedom? How do you do things in all these different arenas? And I decided that I could take all of my decade plus of learning from my mentors, my peers, the courses I'd taken, the books that I had read, everything I had collected and gathered and then instituted in trial and error in my own life and start creating content to help people do it for themselves, to design a life that defines success for themselves, to build businesses and careers, to fund it and elevate it and networks to support it. And when I decided to do this, two really critical things happened that demonstrated this effortlessness for me. One was the first thing I said was, okay, I'm going to write another book. And this time it's going to be a New York Times bestseller and it's going to teach this. Within a week, I had six literary agents offering me a contract. Oh, wow. I can tell you from the first go around, that does not happen. That is I, not always that way. I can tell you, I, I, I'm in the book world. That does not happen. Wonderful. Yes. That's incredible. So, that was a really good sign for me that I was on the right path and that things just unfolded pretty naturally. And then shortly after I made the commitment at the beginning of 2018 that my coming out party, so to speak, with this work was going to be a free virtual summit and I was going to have 10,000 people there and I was going to have all of my friends, mentors, and peers who had taught me all of these things come into one space and teach it for free to other people. And the one mentor who I consider a mentor from afar, who didn't know me, but I knew his work deeply, that I wanted to headline this was Deepak Chopra. Mm. So I quickly put it out to my community and I said, hey, does anyone have a connection to Deepak's team? And I was almost immediately introduced to his publicist who initially said, maybe. So I reached out to a friend of mine who, when I met her, didn't know what she did. But through the development of our relationship, I learned that she was Deepak's former COO. And initially I didn't ask her because I knew it's a precious relationship. But I went to her and I just said, listen, this is where it is. If you would feel comfortable mentioning this and legitimizing it and recommending he does it, that would mean a lot. And she said, no problem. Send me a screenshot of their text message. I got within an hour an email from his publicist saying, can you be in New York next week to record this? Went and recorded it and thought, wow, that happened. That was amazing. I'm so grateful. Once in a lifetime. Until three months later, I got a call from Chase Bank saying hey, we're doing an event in Atlanta. We want you to be our on-site correspondent. If you do it, you're going to interview Cam Newton and Deepak Chopra. Mm. And I laughed and I thought, are you kidding me? Like this man was so far away from me. And all of a sudden within three months, I'm interviewing him in person twice. And then I interviewed him three more times last year until December 26, 2018. I sent him an email as well as all the other high profile people with whom I got to collaborate last year. And I said to him, Hey, listen, I want to thank you again for our collaboration and let you know that I'm here in your court if you need anything in the upcoming year and beyond. 15 minutes later, I had an email from him that said, I've been reflecting to you. I think you can help me. I think you can help make my work less esoteric and more translatable for people. Mm -hmm. And shortly after, we had dreamt up a video series that we now release on a weekly basis. And this for me is the true embodiment of effortlessness that I hadn't intended for this. I didn't say I want a video series weekly at all, let alone with Deepak. And it unfolded because I was following my intuition. I was in the right space. I was really in my zone of genius and things began to unfold. I love so many things about what you said. And I, I, it's about, you know, you just, you have a vision, but you're not attached to the outcome and look what happened as a result. That's not, that's brilliant. What do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? (laughs) So many things. Mm. I mean, for me, I think it really comes down to you taking accountability and responsibility for yourself and your actions and your mindsets that I could have at any point been the victim in any of these stories and just said, 
I'm done, I'm throwing in the towel, or this is all too hard, or I'm not going to keep going. But it's like anything, right? Like what's the saying about the iron sharpens iron and that like each of these things makes us stronger in the long run. And while mm-hmm. I couldn't appreciate that in the moment of each of the, tri- the tribulations and the betrayals, on the other side, I'm so grateful for it because it gives me an opportunity now to be stronger for it and to have found better pathways, but also to be on platforms like this and share and hopefully encourage other people who have or are or in the future will be going through them. And then lastly too, I think the thing people are always wondering and what makes people successful. And aside from the mental and the mindset component, for me, it's always been about people. Like none of the stories I shared, none of these successes that we talked about, or even the places where I was down and out would have come out to be the way that they were unless it were for me pouring into relationships and being giving centric and value additive and always looking at things from a long-term lens. So, you know, pour into your relationships, dig the well before you're thirsty. I love that. I love so many things about what you said. Dara, you just helped so many people with your uh, willingness to move through some some dark times, your consistency, your persistence, your vision. So where do we learn more about you? Where do we go? Thank you for asking. Um, mm-hmm. Two places that are great. One is my website, which is dara.co, D-A-R-R-A-H.co. On there, you can find the series with Deepak. You can find a free masterclass and guided meditation we did together. Lots of other free goodies on there. And then I show up every day on Instagram trying to add value and I'm at Dara B there. So if you want more inspirational and actionable stuff, that's where you'll find it. Wonderful. Dara, thanks so much for your time and, and just what and just your contribution. You're just doing amazing work in the world. We appreciate you. Thank you. Likewise. I love how Dara took the time to look back and see what led to frustration and what led to effortless success, where she's contributing in a way that fills her with a sense of joy and fulfillment. Stay in touch with Dara by going to dara.co and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. Do you have some limiting beliefs around success, money, business, or relationships? Take a look, because if life seems like one struggle after another, there may be some negative belief that's at the root of it, and it's worth finding out what it is so you can create beliefs that serves you serve you so much better. When you do, life can be easy and joyful, and you can still be successful without burning yourself out and hating what you do to achieve that level of success. Having experienced burnout personally, I can share that it leaves lots of physical, mental, and emotional symptoms in its wake. To find out what may be lingering for you, take the quiz at pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. And let us support you. Go to Facebook and join our group, Women Hacking Betrayal, where we give information, tools, and support to help you move forward and heal once and for all. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.